This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good Thursday morning to you. With Sam Wells, I'm Jay White. It's time for MPB Season Pass on Think Radio, our first show of the 2017 year, and we're excited to get back at it. Today, a little bit off the beaten path, as we love to do so often, we'll have Luke Berry on the program. He is with the brand-new Biloxi Football Club, just started up in 2016, playing in their inaugural season. That's uh, pro soccer on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. We'll also speak with John Noblin. He is with the Mississippi Blues Marathon that's going on this weekend. Folks from every state in the country and from dozens of countries uh, around the world come to run at the Mississippi Blues Marathon. It's a great event uh, that showcases Mississippi. That'll be happening this weekend. John Noblin will be on the program speaking about that. And Sam and I will look ahead with uh, some questions about what's been happening uh, and what's going to happen in 2017. I'm notoriously bad about predictions, so stay tuned and laugh. Season pass coming up next. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back, MPB Season Pass on Think Radio with Sam Wells. I'm Jay White. Thanks for listening on this Thursday morning, our first uh, broadcast of 2017, our first time live in a couple of weeks. So, yeah, welcome back, Jay. Yeah, glad to be back at it and uh, have the opportunity to uh, ramble about sports with y'all for just a little bit. So, uh, interesting stuff. Sam, I know in this last segment, what do you, you have, we have a couple of good guests today, but in our last segment, what do you kind of what do you have planned for us? Oh well, we'll t- well uh, the beginning of the show we'll kind of look back at 2016 mm-hmm. here, and uh, since we we were going to have a a recap show uh, before we left, but uh, some travel plans for both of us didn't really allow that to happen. And then uh, 2017, we'll look ahead to 20. Or in, uh, in the last segment, we'll look ahead to 2017. Jay, what can people expect uh, from the sports calendar in Mississippi nationally? And uh, you know, I think yeah. uh, the elephant in the room is maybe uh, the NCAA investigation with Ole Miss. Will that end this year, next year, 2020? Ever. 2030? (laughs) Uh, There's got to be more stuff they can look into at some point. And then, uh, uh, you know, we'll look ahead to see uh, these college basketball teams. Maybe. Yes, on a Twitter uh, post the other day, uh, I know it was a Facebook post uh, that said that uh, the NCAA had heard that Jimmy Hoffa was buried in Oxford. So now they're on the hunt for him. We'll see what happens. Yeah. uh, And uh, Bruce Feldman uh, tweeted out a a well known college football analyst from Fox Sports that the NCAA warned Alabama to not have any contact with Lane Kiffin this week leading up to the championship game. Our Ole Miss is going to get it. <laughs> so we'll uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, Very with good. A good, uh, re- a good championship game coming up on uh, Monday night, and we'll see uh, if Clemson maybe can answer the bell. I'm intrigued, and it was as good as the NCAA could hope for in that uh, you know Bama did their Bama thing to Washington. Yeah, I think that's just exactly how a lot of people called that game, except for the folks um, in Washington, you know, who who picked Washington to win. Uh, for some something. reason, yeah, but um, you know, Bama just kind of you know, they scored a they, they scored on defense and 
you know, they basically smothered Washington to sleep. Yeah. And they're just like a boa constrictor. They are. It's a perfect way to describe it. They, then they kind of pulled away late, leaned on them. And just out physical them. I will I say, I just made up a new term, but uh, I, I will say this before you uh, before you preview who's going to be on our program. And sorry, my jacket is very loud. I can hear it. Ah, yes, around. it is. I'll, I'm taking it off here in a second. But uh, people on uh, the radio and on television all week, oh, this Clemson offense is the only offense that'll be able to do anything against Alabama. And I'm like, didn't Ole Miss score like 45 points against Alabama and rack up like almost 600 yards of offense? And yeah. I think Arkansas ran for almost 300 yards against them. It's the turnovers that get teams against the Tide. So if Clemson cannot do that, well, Ole, Ole he may Miss, have a shot. Was it 45 to 41? Yeah. Wasn't that close. Ole Miss was down like 18 because of some turnovers. But you don't turn the ball over. The Bama game? Yeah. All I know is they lost. They lost by four, yeah. and they screwed up the Akeem Judd touchdown call. Yeah, which you know they took a field goal instead, and that's a difference of four points. Yeah. Now, I mean, granted, the end of that game have, you know, would have played out differently, but still, um, it, that is the story of 2016 for me. Is uh, this year's Ole Miss football team? Um, and and look, we can look back on predictions. Um, I mean, I was pie in the sky for everybody. Well, first, <laughs> tell everybody who's on the show today. Okay, absolutely, yes. Uh, thank you, Sam, for keeping me between the uh, <laughs> Get the ditches there. There we go. Uh, coming up at 1020, we'll have Luke Berry. Uh, he's the vice president of Biloxi Football Club, uh, a brand-new uh, professional soccer team on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, and they play in the Gulf Coast Premier League. Um and that's uh, that's part of the uh, uh, the USASA, the United States Adult Soccer Association, and part of USA Soccer as well. So uh, um, they are in third place right now. Yeah, doing well. Table, it's not standings in soccer. It's yeah. the table. Um, thank you, Sam, for learning me that. <laughs> uh, and they're uh, just two points behind Shreveport. So we've got to get over on Shreveport, if nothing else. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but they're, they're playing uh, Alexandria. This weekend, their team is called the Pool Boys. I don't know what they're going for there, but uh, uh, it's a good time anyway, at least. But uh, that's going to be. I I, I want to get down there and see them. You know, we have the 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 Bria that plays in the Jackson metro area. Yeah, uh, they play in Clinton, and uh, they've been successful for a long time. And so uh, I love the fact that uh, Mississippi has a couple of professional soccer teams to call their own here. Yeah, and uh, he is he is an English born. Uh, general manager that we'll have on the uh, on the show uh, for uh, to talk about them and uh, it's got a big he and I, a little bit of, and you too a little bit of a rivalry going on he's a Bristol City fan my Aston Villa club are down in the championship with your Birmingham City team yeah. so uh, all three Mine's of us been need, there the longest right we need to all uh, <laughs> we need we need to all pool our money together and get some sort of pass so we can follow our teams because there is nothing not about those uh, about those teams around here if you're not in the Premier League you we, don't get any coverage we may or may not already do that with Major League Baseball may, mm, don't say it out loud <laughs> so yeah that'll be a lot of fun talking about that here coming up in about ten minutes and then later on in the show we'll speak with John Noblin with the Mississippi Blues Marathon, which uh, my wife is running in that, and I'll use the excuse that I'll be with my children while she's doing that. God bless her. <laughs> right? You got to be chasing me with a knife to get me to run twenty six point two miles. <laughs> I she might she might be doing a half. I don't want to I don't want to uh, even still overspeak for her there. Thirteen but, and a half. Thirteen right. is pretty long far too. Thirteen is that'll be thirteen more than I'm running. So. Yeah. Uh, that will be a lot of fun. It, pretty interesting thing. She's she signed up for a thing that that lets it's a tracker essentially, and it's gonna uh, text or email, um, you know, whoever she puts on that list about 
where she is and how she's advancing, and that's that's pretty cool technology. I don't that that may be completely commonplace. I don't uh, think it is, but uh, for me, and I've never heard of that before. Right, so that's great. For me, that's a really cool thing. So that that'll I'll be able to uh, you know to kind of watch where she is. Yeah. That's also cool because it's a it's a great advocate for uh, the blues and and a lot of things that are cool about that's cool about Mississippi, and before, during, and after there are going to be bands playing everywhere. I yeah, mean, I, I know a guy who's going to be playing under the um, I guess it's the Eastover Drive. Um, I don't know what you call underpass, underpass underneath yeah. the, the the interstate that drive, it's right here by. Uh, the studios here of MPB, and yeah. that's, he's going to be playing there way early yeah. on Saturday morning. The race starts at seven a.m. So, yeah, I used to live downtown uh, at the King Edward Hotel down there, and it is a jam fest from six o'clock in the morning until the last person runs through there, and then they have parties all night. So, I mean, it's uh, it's a fun weekend and, a, and an excellent. It's it's ex- it's an excellent thing on the sports calendar for Mississippi, but it's much more than just sports, though. Yeah, it's a so great it's a showcase great... because, as I mentioned in our uh, billboard there, that there are people from every state and numerous countries that come to Jackson to run in this race. And it's funny. Uh, my wife, I, I guess she's part of the Facebook group or something like that, and uh, she said the other day when the weather Weather reports forecasts started trickling in toward this weekend, and it looks like uh, uh, we've we've saved up all of our seventy <laughs> seventy degree days in December and January, and they're going to bring the they're going to bring the 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 snow this weekend. It's yeah. it's rumored to be um, folks from the south were worried if we were going to still do it, and uh, folks from other parts of the country and the world. We're like, yeah, we we practiced in the snow this morning. Yeah, we do stuff so, in the snow all of the time. Yeah, I did have to remind her that if if there was a marathon in Minnesota and it was ninety five degrees outside, that they would be, you know, we're not supposed to go outside. It's ninety five. We're yeah. going to drop dead of heat exhaustion. They'd probably be like, what are we doing? But what in happened? the summer, that's Tuesday in Mississippi, ninety five yeah. degrees. So yeah, every day from uh, the end of April <laughs> until the beginning of November. All right, Jay. Well, let's hit these questions here. So I've written, I've scribbled out a few. Literally, I'm holding a, uh, I see I'm holding a, a piece of uh, what do you call these little things? A little notepad, sticky note, sticky note yeah, here. A post-it. Uh, so, what is your best? And we don't have too much time because we got to get to we got to get to Mr. Barry here in a second. But what is your best Mississippi sports story of 2016? The best story of 2016. There's a lot of different directions to go with this. Um, you know, the, the Tory Bowie is one. Yeah. Uh, uh, the the success that Mississippians had in the Olympics, that was awesome to see. Um, Brian Dozier, the season that he had for the Minnesota Twins was insane. Yeah. If you break it down, if you if you look at his splits a little bit, I mean he was hitting, I mean halfway through May. Okay, so this is six weeks deep in the season. The guy was, the guy was fumbling around two hundred, his batting average, and was just, I mean he was deep in a slump. And then for the rest of the season, evidently he made some change in his approach. And the guy had one of, if not the best, four-month run for a second baseman in the history of baseball. Uh, and you know now he's the speculation of uh, much trade rumor yeah. because he is he is cost controlled. He has I think three more years on his contract. We spoke to him on this show. You can go back in uh, to our website and uh, dig that episode up. Uh, we spoke to him the week. Uh, that he signed his contract extension, uh, which was was pretty cool. But now, because he is cost controlled for multiple years, 
Um, and the twins are a way long way from doing anything. Uh, they're, they're probably going to flip him this offseason, and it looks like it'll be the Dodgers that he's going to. There's a couple other teams that look to be in the running, but the Dodgers look to be where he's going to go. So it looks like he's going to play in Los Angeles next year. That's not too bad. Yeah, not bad at all. Not too bad a place to stay for the summer. But, uh, yeah, um, uh, Itawamba AHS guy um, went down to Southern Miss, and, uh, yeah, uh, Fulton born. And uh, best second baseman in baseball right now. All right. Yeah, I would say the Olympic success for Mississippians will be mine. Uh, Dak Prescott, of course, coming along and doing his thing for the Cowboys. But Dak's a Louisiana guy. I know he went to Mississippi State. That counts. Uh, so yeah. we'll count. We'll throw it in the in the column too. And a long time ago, <laughs> an old a Sugar Bowl victory for one of our SEC teams in Mississippi long ago, like literally the day, that the was, second day of the first uh, of the twenty six. That counts though. So uh, that feels like it, it does was way, feel like a long time ago. Way long ago, it leads me to my next uh, question: the most disappointing story of 2016, and for me, uh, it was the lackluster football seasons for all three of our big three universities. I know Southern Miss and Mississippi State made it to bowls, but not the season Southern Miss wanted to have. No. Uh, State went to a bowl game uh, due to grades; they did not win enough games to go to a bowl game, and uh, Ole Miss uh, was just a uh, to borrow a uh, a phrase from Hillary Clinton, a bag of deplorables on defense. <laughs> they were very, very bad defensively uh, and will change the entire defensive staff this season. So that is my worst story of 2016. Yeah, I'm intrigued how this defense will work next year. They're going from... It can't uh, be any worse. Uh, uh, the now, uh, now infamous four two five, and I think that's... If anybody says those numbers in succession in Oxford, people are going to just, I mean, projectile vomit on, you know, just just at the the, the, the thought of it, the sound of those three numbers in unison. Uh, but uh, Wesley McGriff comes back to the Ole Miss staff. He was a co-DC at Auburn, and uh, he's uh, looking to put in a four uh, three, um, which is uh, interesting. I, I'm I'm interested to see how the personnel that they have, the the players that they have coming back on defense fit into a 4-3. Uh, linebacker, uh, they only had two, I guess, true linebacker spots, although some of their some of their defensive back spots kind of were hybrid. Yeah. Um, they really only had two true linebacker spots, and that was a place that they were already underachieving and, and thin on depth at. And now you're moving to a 4-3, so you need more. And I wonder how, you know, maybe some of some of their defensive backs – uh, you know, or maybe some of their defensive ends who are thinner and quicker. Maybe some of those guys can transition into a linebacker position. Uh, you go from uh, technically five defensive back spots to now four. Um, and I wonder how, you know, they, they, they've had some issues at corner, a bunch of injuries. Uh, really, it put some young guys in some spots they didn't want them to have to necessarily be in through this year. Um, that experience you think will help them going forward, but um, sure. now you're taking guys from five positions and you're funneling them into kind of four. Uh, and I, and one of the linebacker spots is kind of a hybrid deal. So that'll be interesting. But I am intrigued to see how, you know, the, the rearranging of the personnel that they need on the field at any one given time will will impact their spring and uh, how these guys fit onto the depth chart. It would be a lot. It would be very much 
very different, and I know Ole Miss fans are excited for anything different. Yeah, I was going to say, they didn't know where to stand in the four two five anyway, so it doesn't really matter if they move in positions <laughs> and move people around. And then we got to be quick with this one because we don't have two, but we, we are out of town, but I'm squeezing it, in, squeezing it in anyway. National, local, anything, the most memorable thing that happened on the sports calendar in 2016. I'll give you two. One of them is international, Leicester City coming from nothing to win the English Premier League, which is something that's just unheard of that could ever even be thought of to happen and we can even ask uh we can even ask mr barry about that in the next segment and then of course uh the chicago cubs as i sport my cubs hat right now winning the 2016 <laughs> world series and breaking the longest curse in professional sports in america well you know sam congratulations but uh with a with a uh an old miss alum on the team chris Coglin. yeah that's so. true uh let me warn you though um now that you've won a title your your uh, your lovableness is over, <laughs> and when the Cubs dominate the headlines all through the baseball season again this coming year, the tide is going to turn, Charlie Murphy, uh, and people are going to they're going to begin ask the Red Sox about this. All these people are wearing blue hats with a red C on it that haven't watched baseball. I mean, they couldn't they couldn't name Wrigley Field from you know Battlefield Park <laughs> down the street and and. People are going to begin to loathe the Cubs. Wait for it, because it's going to happen. Well, that's okay. Because people like ESPN, they just know what people search on Google, you know. And so that's what they're going to cover ad nauseum. So get ready, because you're lovable right now. You're a cute little baby. But uh, <laughs> a bear's you know, going to grow up. A bear grew up. You're a cute little toddler. Then you're going to be like eight or nine, you know. And then it's going to be like, man. We should stop being a brat. Cubs fan, you're going to be a brat this year. That's exactly how it's going to work. I'll well, take anyway. it. Yeah, right. Now, that game seven for me, that's the that's the sports moment of the year for me. There were plenty of other ones. The uh, the championship game, the NCAA basketball tournament, uh, big three to tie the game. Guy comes down, hits a 40-footer to win the championship. Uh, people go nuts. Uh, we talked to Kevin Kugler, the guy who called that um, on the radio the week after that happened. That was really cool. Uh, you can search that on our uh, archives as well, mpbonline.org. But, um, yeah, for me, that Game 7 of the World Series. That's about as good as it gets for baseball right there. It was. And I, it, the the Cubs won the game, but um, it was a Rajay Davis, his home run that tied the game. Um, that's the greatest, and I, I said this until people were probably sick of me saying it, but that's the greatest at-bat I will ever see in my life. That's the greatest single at bat in a baseball game in a clutch situation when your back's up against the wall and the result that that came from it um under the situation against the pitcher he was facing and the count and all that kind of stuff the best single at bat i will ever you can we can turn it off now i can stop (laughs) looking for other at bats to compare it to you'll never see another one that is impressive as that one and the cubs overcame that to win the World Series anyway. I think Mother Nature got involved. But anyway, they still won. They yeah. won. That's what counts. Yeah. All right. Well, so it we'll was take great. A, it, I, I had a great time. <laughs> At like 3 in the morning. Yeah. When it ended. All right. We'll take a break. <laughs> when we come back, Luke Berry with the Biloxi Football Club. We'll talk to him about uh, what's going on with them, their game against Alexandria, their match against Alexandria this coming up weekend, and the Gulf Coast Premier League. That's all coming up after this timeout. With Sam Wells and Jay White, MPB Season Pass.
can trust in radio built around you. Mississippi Public Broadcasting. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. It's MPB Season Pass on Think Radio with Sam Wells. I am Jay White. Um, Love finding out about the Biloxi Football Club this week. They are five matches into their inaugural season in the Gulf Coast Premier League, and they're playing the Pool Boys uh, from Alexandria, Louisiana, uh, this weekend. And uh, uh, the Pool Boys are, well, they're winless. They have no points so far. And it sounds like they're concentrating it's on the winter, wrong thing. It's winter time. Right. <laughs> they're, they're stuck inside. We have Luke Berry from uh, the Bluxy Football Club on with us. Luke, thank you so much for your time. Welcome into the show. Sam, thanks for having me. Well, tell us a little bit about uh, how you got uh, involved with the Biloxi Football Club and a little bit about its its origins and, and, and what your goals are for the team and your involvement with the community, which I know is a big thing. Yeah, um, well, it all came about really um, about six months, well, no, more like a year ago now. Time flies. Um, it came about a year ago. Um, there's, there's a big soccer community on the coast, um, but they've they've had, uh, I don't know if, if you guys are familiar with it, but there was the Mississippi Storm, um, which came about uh, about three years ago, which I think went straight into the NPSL, um, which is the same league as what uh, Mississippi Bria are in at the moment. Um, and they, they came about and they, they ended up uh, failing for, for whatever reason. Um, and since then, there's not really been an avenue for the, for the local talent here to, uh, to sort of be put on a platform and have a chance to, uh, to sort of show their, what, they, what they can do. Um, so it was just me and a number of other soccer-minded um, people sort of came together um, and, and put this program together out, out of nothing, really. Um, and we've sort of made it go along as, as best as we can to now. Now, Luke, where, where do you guys, where do y'all play? We play at the Salvation Army Croc Centre, which is... Um, Right in downtown Biloxi. Um, it's, if, if you're familiar with Biloxi, it'd be uh, just near the Beauvage. You can actually see the Beauvage Casino just uh, from the field, which is why we wanted that field, especially to give the feel of being a team for Biloxi. All right, and uh, it's Sam Wells here with uh, with Luke Berry and Jay White on MPB Season Pass. Luke, so you know we spoke on the phone yesterday, and uh, you know you and I kind of share a same uh, deal. Our t- our two English teams are uh, both in the championship. So, like, do you find that it, it, that people in Mississippi know a lot more about the sport than maybe they did when you first got here? Uh, because it seems like the soccer community, especially with NBC, with the Premier League and people adopting teams and buying jerseys and going to games and, and you know things like that, it seems like the the sport has blown up over the last couple of years, even bigger than it was before that. Uh, absolutely. Um, I think the turning point, which I noticed especially, um, was uh, was the last World Cup. I think that really, because the U.S. had a great run in that, uh, the national team that is, and uh, and the world uh, the World Cup really sort of ballooned from there, and, and the interest in soccer seems to have grown. Um, I mean, it was already there before, but that seemed to sort of be the catalyst to get it to where it is now. Um, and I think you know, obviously, the Premier League um, is is an extremely w- watched uh, league across the world, and, and, and the US seems to have a big following. Um, and like I said, from being on the coast, I could tell immediately there's there's definitely the interest for soccer. Um, I mean, the the youth soccer teams on the coast are huge. You know, I mean, there's every kid plays 
play soccer down there when they're under 18. Um, so it's sort of just trying to provide something for them if you know for those who either come back home after college um, or or don't go to college at all and just finish high school and want to stay in the area but would like to continue playing at a competitive level. Now, oh, sorry, Jay. I was going to say Luke Barry is our guest with the Biloxi Football Club. I was going to ask, uh, you know, we, we've we've spoken with a couple of the high school coaches who had teams uh, ranked in the top ten in the country in the state championships last year. Um, you know, I've spoken with. Uh, you know, folks who are with the developmental uh, uh, Jackson Football Club in this area, the uh, the youth development program, and there are instructors from all over the world who are are in Mississippi and bringing a different style and 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 via instruction are are helping to grow and improve the game in Mississippi. Now, I, I know you're, you're tied to Biloxi, but it doesn't sound like a Gulf Coast accent that you have. So tell us a little bit about your background and where you come from and how you got to Biloxi. Um, well, I, I originally um, I'm from Bristol uh, in England, um, and uh, and I actually my, my parents moved to the Mississippi Gulf Coast, uh, of all places, <laughs> back in uh, 2004 when I was 14. Um, just before Katrina, so it was good timing. Um, <laughs> and uh, and anyway, so so the storm uh, obviously pushed me back to the UK, um, and I've pretty much been to and to and fro uh, from then until now. Um, and then I played um, at Meridian uh, Community College. I went to Meridian Community College um, in 2008 to 10. So I've sort of stayed current with soccer in in the area. Um, and uh, and yeah, so the opportunity came up to move back over here after I finished my um, my studies in England. Um, and uh, and yeah, and it's really I, I came over here to be involved with soccer. Um, so this is this is what I'm trying to do. And like I said, it's 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 a group effort. And it's funny you say about nationalities, and you know, obviously that it's uh, obviously such a global sport. And the US is starting to get interested. Our, our head coach, um, Sinisa Vukadin, who, as you can probably guess from the head from the name, isn't uh, American. Uh, he uh, he's from um, Bosnia uh, originally. Um, and uh, and he actually counted on one of our games uh, the nationalities of the team. I think we had about sixteen different nationalities wow. um, altogether. So it really and it, you know that's just people from the in the area that are from other countries that have either immigrated or you know parents are from uh, another country. And uh, and yeah, so it, it's it's a diverse um, team that's for sure. Now about the name of the of the coach now, uh, Luke. You haven't been to the Delta, so there's some wild names up there. So you never you never know where folks are from. So tell us about your team, man. Where where do the where do you guys get uh, your your pool of players from? Uh, you're five games into the season. You got a game this Sunday. Who is the best player on the team for people to look for and uh, and, and watch on on a Sunday at the game? I'm going to upset people if I say a best player, but, but, uh, <laughs> but we, we have the best haircut. Who has the best haircut on the team? <laughs> best haircut. That's an interesting one. Um, we, we we have a great uh, group. All of them are local guys, or, or the majority uh, live locally, um, and, uh, and that that's sort of the same with most of the teams in the GCPL. Um, they're all sort of local guys to their club, um, and like I said, th- this level of play is all about trying to um, build a platform for for these players and for the teams. Really, you know, provide the closest thing to professional soccer that we can for our areas. You know, Alexandria, like you said, who we're playing um, on Sunday. Um, you know, they're they're another team that. Are, come and try to build up and, and, and create a soccer culture for their community. And that, that's exactly what we're trying to do. Um, and I mean, like I said, the, the, the talent level is, I think it surprises everyone. Every time that we get new people coming to the game, they're impressed with, with the guys. I mean, the, the, the talent, we, we've got a lot of 
former pros, um, you know, all sorts of different backgrounds on the team. Most almost all of them have played college level. Um, so the, the standard of play is is high, um, and that's it's good for the kids to be able to come out and see these sort of guys because, especially in Mississippi, we the, our closest professional team would be either Houston um, or, or Orlando or the soon to be Atlanta United. Um, so you know, there's no real team here that they can go and see, and obviously Mississippi Bria provides something for the Jackson area, um, and that's why we're providing what, what we are. And, I, and really, the, the the reason the team has been so successful to date. Uh, given it's our first year, like you said, we're third in the table out of seven, um, and the top two will go through to the U.S. Open Cup, which I'm not f- sure how familiar your viewers would be with the U.S. Open Cup, but it's um, it's sort of a national cup. The, the the point of it is that you can eventually play. Ultimately, uh, an MLS team uh, would be sort of you know far fetched, but, but that is the that is what what's possible. Um, but yeah, the, the, the guys really are what make the team and, and the head coach and the, the effort they put in has been um, exemplary and, uh, and that's really what's kept us going and been the success story that we are so far. Very, very cool. I read on your website where the league, the Gulf, the Gulf Coast Premier League, is um, uh, affiliated with the USASA and has been granted elite amateur league status. Um, yeah. what, what does that mean for you guys and for the team exactly? So what, what, what that basically means is that there's five divisions, or well, it's debatable. There's sort of four or five divisions, but just for argument's sake, so there's five divisions. The, the, the league we're in, the GCPL, is, is a fifth division league. Um, the fifth division um, is sort of the, the bottom of the triangle, so to speak, when it comes to soccer in the in the United States. So it's, it's recognized by the USSF, that's the U.S. Soccer Federation, um, and it's sort of, you know, it's what well, in England we're called grassroots, so it's, you know, where really the the nuts and bolts of soccer are. <laughs> so, um, so that's that's what the elite amateur status means. It's it's the USASA um, trying to sort of create this bottom league to sort of feed into the other clubs. And like I said, the whole point of this really is for the players um, and for the community, the players to have a chance to sort of show what they're made of and get some uh, acknowledgement on at least a regional level, if not national. Um, and there have been some examples of players i know i I spoke to jonathan red now who's the um director of operations at the gcpl he's got plenty of examples of uh of players that have gone on to play pro um after playing in this league so um so it's sort of like a stepping stone for a lot of the guys or the other way around it's former pros that step down to you know play on a more casual level or not quite as competitive as what they maybe have in the past all right, Luke, it'll be uh, the Biloxi FC Blackjacks against the uh, Pool Boys from Alexandria, and you guys are playing on Sunday the 8th, not the 7th anymore, correct, at 3 p.m.? That's correct, yep. Yeah, that's it. All right, man. Luke Berry, thanks for joining us this morning and today. And uh, on the January 28th, be rest assured that one other person in the state of Mississippi will be paying attention to Bristol City and Aston Villa. It'll be me <laughs> and you, man. So <laughs> we'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Thanks a lot for joining us today, Luke. Thank you. Thanks, guys. To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
Welcome back. It's MPB Think Radio. This is Season Pass with Sam Wells. I'm Jay White. Mississippi Blues Marathon coming up this weekend. Going to be a lot of folks from all over the country and the world participating in this event. And uh, the folks with the uh, marathon will be uh, showcasing Mississippi and their music to a bunch of visitors. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, we have John Noblin uh, with the Mississippi Blues Marathon with us now. John, thank you for your time. Good morning. Oh, good morning. Appreciate you having me. Absolutely. Uh, so, uh, if if I'm not mistaken, is this the uh, the tenth Mississippi Blues Marathon? This is the tenth annual. It certainly is. All right. So, tell us a little bit about uh, the the origins of this. And I know it is blown up. It's a it's a huge deal now. A lot of people look forward to it here in Mississippi, and uh, it is it is one of these events that draws people into this state from all over the world, which is fascinating to me. Yeah, um, it, it it has. It's really it's it's taken off. Uh, the the origin of it really goes back to about 2000 when I was involved in putting on a, a professional bicycle race that we used to have in Jackson called the Tour de Fleur, yeah. and then the um, the cycling Olympic trials in, in 2000. And for various reasons, the Tour de Fleur sponsorship and otherwise didn't continue after 2000. And we had this idea for a uh, uh, a running event and this, this blues theme and we kind of floated it out there to some sponsors back then and couldn't really get any traction and then six or seven years later i got called to be part of a group uh, a couple of guys that wanted to create a real destination running event in jackson and so i went to this meeting and i told my story about this blues idea and they basically said well that's great you do it <laughs> um so uh so you know and, and then here now so now here we are 10 years later John, how many people take part in this event? How many how many runners are actually uh, running in the race, and then uh, the number of volunteers that you have? And I know there are going to be bands and concerts all over the place in various uh, parts of the city. There's a lot of people going to be downtown this week or yeah, this there weekend. Is, there, are a lot, there are a lot of moving parts. Uh, <laughs> the, the sellout point is four thousand, and we were at about thirty seven or thirty eight hundred last year. And we're right about that same point this year. Of course, the registration is still coming in uh, through, really, it'll be through tomorrow night uh, at the expo. Um, so, you know, you're, you're pushing 4,000 runners. I think we're at 46 states right now and five or six countries this year. Um, someone who's, who's been involved with the committee for the last 10 years, I mean, since, since the first year, Said he was going back through some files, some registration files, and counted up that we've had 24 countries represented uh, wow. in the race since the since the beginning. Um, takes about 900 volunteers between <laughs> yesterday afternoon stuffing packets at the convention center all the way through to the, the Saturday afternoon cleanup. You know, and all the what we call course marshals directing the runners out on the course, and the aid station workers who'll be handing out water and Gatorade, um, and then. Uh, we'll have 11 different live music locations around the route this year, um, starting from the first mile with uh, the weather permitting now. Uh, Sonic, the Sonic Boom's going to play. Oh, man. And the runners go through the Jackson State campus. Uh, and then various other places around the, the course. Uh, and then live music at the start and finish area, which is at the Art Garden of the Mississippi Museum of Art. That'll be running live uh, and open to the public uh, all day from basically race start at 7 a.m. till we shut it down at 2. 
Now, uh, John, thanks for joining us again this morning. It's MPB Season Pass. We're talking to John Noblin uh, with the Mississippi Blues Marathon. Kind of hit on all the neighborhoods that, be, that uh, the race will be going through. You mentioned Jackson State, uh, you know, downtown Jackson, of course, uh, but uh, just some other parts of the city where uh, folks can maybe walk out of their house and see some folks running by. Sure. Uh, well, once we once we make the loop around Jackson State, come back through downtown, then we'll be skirting along the the side of of Bell Haven straight through up to uh, Woodland Hills, turning into the Woodland Hills neighborhood and making a loop through there and coming out across Old Canton and going through Fondren and then back over the interstate and all the way up north to Briarwood. And then, of course, and then we'll head back south toward uh, Sheffield, east over, uh, across uh, Ridgewood and go back up the interstate, uh, back up the Furniture Road and up around the Fleurs and into Bellhaven and then out the south side of Bellhaven, uh, and back downtown. You know, I was trying to remember if it was the Blues Marathon or the Watermelon Race that actually runs uh, around the loop here at the IHL Center where MPB's studio is located. But you, you mentioned well, Eastover and Rid- Ridgewood. You're, you're going to be right by anyway. Yeah. Uh, the, the Blues Marathon in, in, in other other versions have gone through, uh, straight through the, um, the IHL there, uh, the, the University Center. And then, but of course, the Watermelon does it every year. Uh, we don't go that way this year. We come up east over, uh, I guess, uh, from east to west, from out of the neighborhood and all the way up east over there on past the entrance and uh, and all the way over to the furniture road. Uh, I know from the from the uh, construction that'll be a challenge. Yeah, run. I was going to say it's, it's going to be a little bit of an issue. Uh, the construction, if you did, if you were running up this way, uh, John. Another thing's going to be an issue for the runners. It's going to be cold Saturday. Uh, no matter what happens, though, this race uh, will go on. I, I, maybe tornadoes would not would knock it out, but I don't think you're going to have a tornado when it's 30 degrees outside. No, uh, you know, generally, uh, certainly a tornado, but ice and lightning are the two things that tend to affect uh, races like ours more than anything. And I don't think I don't think we're going to have either one. I, I'm not expecting any lightning. And as of yesterday, last night, it's looking like they've modified the the forecast where they're not expecting any ice. We may get a little bit of a uh, little snow flurry on Friday night. But I don't think anything's going to stick. And then it's supposed to be sunny all day on Saturday, uh, despite the fact that it will be sunny in 30 and a half, 38. John, let me ask you before we let you go here um, what is it that draws people from, you know, every other state in the country? And as you mentioned, numerous countries from around the world. Is it. Is it the, uh, the the blues and the tourist aspect of it? Is it the competitive aspect of it? How much of that do you have to juggle? And, and where does this fit into uh, the the competitive uh, national or international marathon scene? Um, okay, well, on the, on the competitive scene, you know, this, this is probably not up very high in the grand scheme of, of People who are running, say, you know, world class type competitive times, there, there are just very, there are very few of those sure, yeah. around. Uh, you know, and that, that's a good question. And I think if you ask 10 different people here Saturday why they came from wherever they came from, you'd probably get seven or eight different answers. Yeah. Um, and I think some of them are, are blues fans. A lot of times our European runners are coming over and they'll, they're, they're blues fans, and they're going to do a little blues tour and go to the Delta and up to Memphis uh, and spend some time seeing their blues sites. Um, 
I think you get folks who have heard about just the, the hospitality of our, our of our volunteers, how friendly everybody is. Um, I think the, the, the administratively, I think the race is is put on well. You know, everything comes off tight and and and, and well finished. Uh, we've got great uh, what we call swag. You know, the the, the stuff everybody gets. Yeah. Um, the, the the finishers medal, the jacket that we're giving away this year is part of our tenth anniversary. Uh, so you know we we try to make sure that for your for your registration fee that you you take home a lot of stuff, and so yeah you know, I think that it's different things to different people, but we try to make sure because of that that we you know we do our best on every aspect of it. Well, John, it sounds like uh, with everything going on and all the different moving parts that this has probably been an an, an absolutely madcap week for you, uh, putting the finishing touches on all of this. And with just a couple of days before uh, you roll the thing out, thank you for taking some time and speaking with us about it. Well, you're quite welcome. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. John Noblin, the Mississippi Blues Marathon, the 10th annual Mississippi Blues Marathon going on uh, in and around, all around downtown Jackson. Uh, this weekend, race starts at 7. Go to msbluesmarathon.com. If I heard John correctly, still time to register and get in there. And uh, you'll be running with people from literally all over the U.S. and all over the world. And hearing some awesome music at the same time. Yeah, you can definitely register still for the relay. All right. Uh, we'll take a break. We'll wrap up uh, after this. We'll be doing a... And we talked a little bit about some of the bigger stories of 2016 in the first segment. When we come back, uh, we'll be... Uh, trying to prognosticate about what will happen in 2017. Hopefully I'll get a little bit closer on my predictions for this coming year. Who knows? We'll take a break. This is MPB Season Pass on Think Radio. I'm Kara Miller. Every week on Innovation Hub, I talk with the thinkers, researchers, and visionaries who are crafting our future. Tune in to hear conversations about how tribalism shapes us, what new research on obesity reveals, how chicken changed America, and why math class should be reinvented. Coming Sunday, January 8th at noon, hear Innovation Hub on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is MPB Season Pass on Think Radio with Sam Wells. I'm Jay White. All right, here we go. Before we go forward, I have to put my picks from last year on Front Street. All right, so I said Ole Miss would go 11-1, and one, and I'm not an Ole Miss homer. Sam, you can vouch for me, right? Yeah, you're not. Um Man, I was I was bought in. The offense. I mean, I was bought in on the offense. The defense didn't have to be very good, and the offense could carry them. And... Uh, if if just the defense wasn't very good, instead it was completely awful. Yeah, and um, the offense uh, just was it, it was uh, it just wasn't right the whole year. And then Chad Kelly was injured, uh, and that that was a that, big deal. That took it off the tracks altogether, right there. Yeah, 
It was it was a big deal. Uh, but you know, I was thinking about this uh, this week, and this is this going down a rabbit By the way, hole. Quickly, also said Southern Miss would go eleven and one, uh, and I said State would go eight and four. None of those happened. Mm. Also said Jackson State would go six and five, and that didn't happen. Mm-mm. And I said Alcorn would go eight and three, and that didn't happen. No, they almost won their third straight swag title though. They did. They they did very much. Almost. If that Ole Miss team that played Georgia showed up the whole year, maybe they would have gone eleven and one. Well, yeah, that game was really weird. <laughs> and, and, and Ole Miss's football the, season this year is the strangest. It's the strangest thing ever. I mean, you you look at what I mean. They had Florida State down twenty plus, twenty eight to six. They had Bama down twenty plus, twenty four to three. Uh, that's crazy. With three minutes to go in the first half, I mean, it's it's just like last year where people forget. I mean, they were a miracle backwards lateral and two-point conversion after a face mask penalty from playing in the SEC championship game. People just forget that. That's insane. They were that close to that. And then this, and then this year they had those two teams down three scores and uh, to end up five and seven and then those last two games to work the way they did. I mean, they got manhandled I mean, before the Egg Bowl. I mean, they got run out of the stadium by Vanderbilt, and you're just like, holy cow, they're done with us. They're, yeah. they're over it. Yeah. They're totally over it. So, okay, going forward, moving forward. So in 2017, these are the two these are the two questions that I've written down. We, all, we only have time for two. It's a good thing I only wrote down two. So what are you most looking forward to in 2017 for uh, for this athletic, uh, athletic season in the state of Mississippi? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, there's a lot. College baseball for uh, the two uh, SEC schools, Ole Miss and Mississippi State, is going to be very interesting with yes. State and having a new coach in there from uh, LSU and Ole Miss bringing in this highly touted recruiting class to uh, maybe exercise some demons from a season ago. Yeah. It'll be very interesting. And of course, Southern Miss is going to be good anyway because they usually are. Uh, we'll see if they can stay atop that conference, uh, up in the top two of the CUSA and, yeah. get, a, and get into the tournament. But uh going to be really interesting to see how these two teams, Ole Miss and Mississippi State, deal with uh, these these new intern these new uh pieces to their program. Yeah, Mississippi State is going to have to you know, they've they've recruited extremely well on the mound the last 3 years. Uh and you know, all you hear coming up into the season is how many guys they got that can throw 90 plus. Well, uh they lost a lot of big pieces from their pitching staff, which is what carried them a long way last year. Yeah, the SEC regular season champs. Yeah, and um that's they're going to have to have a bunch of guys step up into new roles in their pitching staff this year. Ole Miss, and you know, like you said, uh, I mean, I've, I've seen a Kendall Rogers, a National College baseball writer. He says he expects, uh, he thinks the rosters at State and Ole Miss are at a very similar place coming into this year, and there's reason to have high expectation for both. Southern Miss will challenge for Conference USA again this year. I think they had some young pitching last year uh, that you know will will have a better opportunity to step into. Uh, leadership this year. So, you know, very interesting from that standpoint. Last year was a record-breaking season in college baseball in the state of Mississippi. When you look at... Uh, it was the exact opposite of the football season this year. It was. It <laughs> was. Year. You look at the seasons Ole Miss State and Southern Miss had, and, you, and the, uh, the the 36 wins Omar Johnson had at Jackson State, it was a... Uh, you combine those four, uh, those are the four consistent Division One baseball programs in Mississippi, uh, the the games that those four programs won together was a record. 
uh, for the state of Mississippi, uh, yeah, which man. is very, very cool. And the way Mississippi State and Ole Miss both, Ole Miss to a lesser extent because they went two and out in their own regional, uh, but uh, losing that game at the end of Tulane, I was at that game, and whoa, that was wild stuff. And then I was also at the second game between Arizona and Mississippi State when Mississippi State seemingly was cruising into game three, and Arizona yeah. had something to say about that. Yeah. That was that was one of the most incredible baseball games uh, well, that I've been in, in attendance. Yeah, I, yeah, that was crazy too. Yeah. So uh, it was just a wild end of the season for both teams. And uh, and in that third baseman, I can't remember his name now. That third baseman for Arizona, he just, I mean, he pit, he started the one game and pitch. He hit a home, you know, what a home run, and the other or drove in the, the game winning runner. I can't read that guy owned that series. It was ridiculous. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's um, you mentioned. Uh, Ole Miss losing those games in that region was it? Was it the Utah game or the mm-hmm. Tulane game they lost in the home run? Uh, Tulane they lost in the home run. Okay, so broadcasting moment of the year for me, <laughs> Richard Cross uh, on uh, on ESPN uh, was the he was the play by play guy for all of those games in that region for ESPN's coverage. And you know, he's an Ole Miss guy. Okay, yeah, he, he and I were in journalism school together. Actually. He's he's <laughs> calling that game, and you know, I mean, he's trying to he's trying to to call it down the middle because he's a broadcaster. He's he's good. He knows what he's got to do. And that home run, man. I mean, if if you have any kind of Ole Miss blood in you, that freaking that tore your heart open, right? And just I mean, it just put it in pieces on the floor. And man, he did not crack a bit. He called that game. He called that home run like he was a Tulane fan, you know, and called it. You know, it was that was a bonkers play, a wild play to end a game. And a, a shocker for the NCAA baseball tournament. One seed got, you know, bumped out in their own stadium. Yeah. Um, and he called it like somebody from, you know. Jesuit High School in New Orleans. <laughs> right. He called it like somebody from, like, Winnipeg would have called it. <laughs> As opposed right. to somebody who'd, who'd gone to school and, 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 you know, had Ole Miss in their blood. Him sticking to it like that, man. That was one of the best calls in a really hard situation that I've ever heard. That so, was awesome. Right, we got 30 seconds, and we got to make it like really, really fast. Big story of 2017 will be, for me, obviously, I think Ole Miss and the NCAA. Yeah. What's going to happen? Yeah. I mean, it's it's ultimately, I think it's why Cam went to Florida State. You know, he, he can't make that decision to go to Ole Miss. You know, if he wants to compete for championships, that's just a question mark. I think it's, that might have been ultimately what the decision-making uh, factor was. Our thanks to Luke Berry from the Biloxi Football Club and John Noblin from the Mississippi Blues Marathon. We'll be back next Thursday at 10 on MPB Think Radio.